Hello, hello, Carney. This is Peter Holland of the Carney Hub, and you listen to the Hub Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Hub Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Holland Jr., alongside with my partner, Buck Mahoney. Buck, how's it going? Well, we're through with one season and ready to start a new one. <laughs> well, first things first, we got to get through Thanksgiving. Do you have any plans? Not really, no. Oh, I've I've got a sister that lives close by, so I'll probably go to her place. Okay, that sounds fun. Anything that you're thankful for? This year I was thankful for the good weather we had in football. Not a single rainy night, not a frozen snowy night. (laughs) We got through with shirt sleeves and sweatshirts. Anytime you can do that in this state, that's a good deal. You know what I'm thankful for, Buck? The Lopers are still alive. <laughs> Man, what a game for the UNK football team. They beat Western Colorado 31-24. It was a low scoring at first, and it started to get going in the second half. And, of course, T.J. Davis worked his magic, but it ended in a weird way, too. Western Colorado, for one thing, they really got some bad receivers. <laughs> the missed two opportunities to score, but two drop passes. But then when they made a huge play, we used um, deep ball pass all right, that got them in the one. Time was taking, time was taking, and they were able to spike the ball. But a false start, a false start that led to a 10-second run on that ended the game. That's the worst way to end a football game for either side. And I, I kind of... In a way, kind of felt bad for the Mountaineers, but I can't complain because UNK got the win and they survived. The problem with that, you know, when you're in a hurry, spiking the ball, lining up, you just don't get things done right. You just don't have enough time. The only thing is, that was only the second penalty against Western. That didn't come to my attention until you brought that up. They had one holding penalty before that, and then they had the motion penalty or illegal procedure at the end. That was their only two penalties. It was. And, it was. And Carney had two penalties on the last drive. <laughs> that, that frankly, um, some of them were questionable. Let's just say pass interference must be really tough to call. Yeah. <laughs> tough to call. I wouldn't go that far. It, some were pretty 50 50, but then there's others where, like, what are they looking at? It was a clear pass breakup. There was little contact, but I wouldn't go as far as saying it was pass interference. Especially that led to that fourth quarter that got Western Colorado moving, mm-hmm. that even got them into their territory. That was clearly a good. Defensive play by, I believe, was Darius Swanson. I just don't understand that from that matter, but... And then 20 minutes later, you have a pass interference that isn't called. <laughs> yeah. That was just some weird, weird things that happened. But I think what we also need to definitely give credit to outside those penalty calls, the defense played phenomenally well. They really did hold their own, especially in that first half, making them, making those stops, especially when West Colorado decided they want to go for it. They definitely, definitely held um, the Mountaineers grounded for uh, a good period of time and giving UNK opportunity to make them as high, make it a two-possession game at one point. I thought for a while there that they had Western Colorado completely out of their game plan. And then the fourth quarter came along, and maybe it's the altitude, maybe it's home field, maybe it's whatever, natural grass. Western State kind of found their rhythm again. 
think it was just and a I matter still, of time. I still call them Western State. Sorry, they're Western Colorado now. <laughs> they were Western State for the 15 years we covered them in the RMAC. UNK beat Western Colorado 31-24. They will advance to the next round. Take on Angelo State in San Angelo, Texas. Angelo State beat Minnesota Duluth 48-14. They look like they're going to be a tough team. They're going to go to their territory in San Angelo. you familiar with that team or in that area? Not at all. However, I don't have to be. Coach Josh Lynn has to be. And he told me that he's probably played, coached, at San Angelo more than any other place other than here. Since he came from the Lone Star Conference, Eastern New Mexico, San Angelo, they played every year. Said he's very familiar with the facilities program and that type of stuff. So from talking with Coach Lynn, what do you feel like is going to be like the game plan going into this coming week and going into this Angelo State team? Carney will do what Carney does. Don't look for any changes. They'll run first, pass second. Option, T.J. Davis. Got to work his magic. He did that when he scored that, that final touchdown that got, them, that got them that lead when it was tied at 24-24. So, T.J. Davis also played phenomenally well. He was, he was pretty efficient last weekend. He finished the night with throwing 14 for 18 for 183 yards. No interceptions. He also rushed the ball with 114 yards and two touchdowns. So Would have been a 50 more and, a, and another touchdown, except he grazed the uh, sideline there. <laughs> <laughs> but we also got to come down to what about his running backs, too, that you got to say that they might not put as much numbers compared to TJ, but they're going to need some of their guys like Dayton Seeley, who who also played essentially well. He had two touchdowns, including the longest one for 18 that um, kind of set the tone for the Lopers. It's going to depend on everyone else to do their part, and we know T.J.'s going to do do what he do best, but it's going to come down to some of his um, guys around him as well. I thought as a group the running backs played as well Saturday as they've played all year. Dayton Seeley, he had 61 yards. Um, Miko Masoner, he had 54 yards. Damian Kearns, 53 yards. Montrez Jackson, 17 yards. If we get Montrez going... It's probably going to be a wrap. <laughs> I was going to say, if they get Montrez going, things because Montrez can be an exciting runner. Plus, he's he's probably the best receiver on the team. Sure thing, sure thing. Any other thoughts on the UK football? Carney's never won a second round game. Ever? Never, ever. So this is, this is an opportunity to do something that uh, has never been done here. And with the number of super seniors they have, you know, that'd be a heck of an accomplishment for them. No doubt about it. Wish, wish the Lopers luck. We'll see what happens. We just recently saw that UNK Volleyball will be at the national tournament once again. They have the number six seed. They'll take on Northwest Missouri State. We got four MIAA teams in that bracket. Obviously, Central Missouri, they got the number one seed. Then you got Washburn. They got the fifth seed. Then you got Northwest Missouri State going against UNK. Just your thoughts on what you saw on that bracket. Is it more fair? Is it more what you expected? Any surprises? What kind of stood out to you when you saw that bracket? Same thing we've probably talked about for the last five years. and that It's really unfair to not be able to move out of the region to play because between the Northern Sun and the MIAA, 
oh, what are there, 11 rated teams? Something like that. Something like that. There's three top 25 teams that did not make the regional because of regionalization, which you think about that. If that happened in Division One, they'd burn the NCAA down. Just the depth of the two conferences that you've got them all in the same region. So, you know, Wayne State at number 14 doesn't get in. And then, you know, they're two spots behind Kearney. Uh, UNK gets in as a sixth seed. I've seen, you know, they've taken Central Missouri. They've beaten Central Missouri, taken them to the limit. They've beaten uh, Northwest Missouri recently. And Northwest, they've, they've beaten Metro State, which is ranked, what, third or fourth nationally. So I'm just, just the overall depth. You know, you can sit there and say any one of the eight teams, well, yeah, any one of the eight teams in this region can win it. It's a fair point. It's a fair point. We see that UNK, they really they really fought hard against Central Missouri. We saw a little bit of that while we were at the at Foster Field covering six man ball, six man state championship, and Pete Gavish is having to stream the game. So they played I just hate when they're trailing. Whenever they're trailing, especially even if by one set, just when you look like they were just about being in control, but then when it comes down to the fourth and the fifth set, that's when you start to feel a little bit of concern. Granted, it is Central Missouri. They're really good, but it's just one of those things that you just cannot afford any kind of errors. One little error could change the ball game when you're going against a team like Central Missouri. And it's volleyball. One little error can change it against anybody. <laughs> Incredible momentum sport. But, uh, you, you know, UNK played without Anna Squires, and yeah. it looks like she will probably be back for the tournament. That's true. So uh, that makes a difference. And she, she can make a difference. And, again, I say UNK is the team you don't want to play because they can, they've, they've got an extra gear. They are definitely on a roll there, no doubt about it. Basketball's underway. The women's, that was an impressive win against Colorado, what do you call it, the Carl School of Mines, 76 to 57. That was pretty impressive, Wayne, that the Carl School of Mines is one of the the top teams out there, if I'm I'm correct. Yeah, Colorado Mines came into the game ranked eighth in the country. They're the defending RMAC champions. You know, too early to tell if they're really worthy of that number eight rating. But UNK came out, shot the ball well the first half, pulled them out, spread them out, went inside, dominated the second half. Mines went eight minutes without a basket against Carney's defense. So it really, it was, after the first quarter, it was pretty much the only question was how big Carney was going to win. And I was on the men's side. They weren't able to play Colorado School of the Mines just because of COVID issues over there, but they did take care of business days before that against Shadron State, 79-58. Your thoughts on, on the men's side? wish they would have played Colorado Mines because my opinion of Colorado Mines men's team is higher than my opinion of their women. I think that would have been a really good test to know where UNK is at. Shadron State, again, not sure how tough they are, but it, it was interesting to see that the UNK had some weapons beyond the three guys that we knew were going to be pretty good, Nebaker, Luger, and uh, Simmental. 
We knew, we knew those three were where they were at, but I was impressed to see how the two Sean's played and, uh, you know, how Winston Cook played pretty well. So they've, they've got some people that can do some things. We'll see how they go through the year. Sure thing, sure thing. For UNK basketball, they would got a couple what, more non-conference on the way. They got St. Mary's coming up for the women's side. And the, the men, they still got to deal with their non-conference what, at South Dakota. These D2 scenes are just all over. <laughs> <laughs> Wishing best of luck for the Loper side. So, Buck, winter sports, it just gets closer and closer. Got basketball, wrestling, bowling. <laughs> I guess that bowling is underway. Swimming. Swimming. We're going to go back in the swing of things with winter sports. I'm going to start off with folks on basketball for a minute. This is something that really just crossed my mind with Carney Catholic of my sleeve. Um, looks like the team that could be a, an early favorite to make it back to the state playoffs, especially after last year. But when I was watching that state basketball against Wayne in the state quarterfinals, it did kind of leave me with a bad taste in my mouth. Just the way that Carney Catholic played. That was probably one of the worst games that they played. And that's kind of what I wrote when I did my preview on them. And even Langley said that was the worst that they ever played. They played fundamentally sound. They're making their shots. Brent Mahoney did get into foul trouble. And when he got into foul trouble, he got to sit down for um, most of the game. They had to depend on guys like Logan O'Brien, Logan Teal. And they weren't able to get anything. They, were, their shot, they weren't making their shots. And Wayne played aggressively well, granted. But I knew for a fact that Carney Catholic could have if they play them again, they could have easily beat them and moving on because they were the number two seed and they were 23 and two going into that game. And I just kind of felt that they could have made it as far than where they were last season. No doubt about it. It was a disappointing end. There's no doubt about that. The problem is you you can't play your, you can't play your worst game at state tournament. <laughs> you got to bring your A game. And that's kind of been an issue for Kearney Catholic last couple times they've been to state they don't bring the a game they're gonna have to accomplish that and get over that hump same way like with football in the semifinals in a way in a way but lakeview played great they did they <laughs> just lakeview played great let's yeah. give them credit sure. no carney catholic you want to see them get over the hump they're gonna have to work at it they do lose Logan O'Brien. They lose Blake Teal and um, Keegan Bosshammer as well. That's three other five starters. I think that's I think that's probably a little bit of a downside of that because all three of them can shoot. I think that was something that really stood out to me when I first saw Carney Catholic basketball. Blake Teal, that guy can shoot right right at the top of the key. Keegan Bosshammer when he was healthy, he can make those corner threes. Logan O'Brien, he was like the second leading scorer. Oh, no, not second, but he will, he can get going when he gets a hot hands. But they're all gone now. But that's the only that's only the negative side with Carney Catholic. You got Brett Mahoney back. That's always a plus when you have your four-year starter, all-state player. He's going to do his thing. But then you look at the roster now, just look on paper. They got size. They're, they do have size. They got size. They're big. Guys are like no taller than six foot three. At least four of them are. You got guys like uh, Derek Schmoder. He's only six foot three, and he's your point guard. He was more of a facilitator last season, but he's also really good defensively. Brett Mahoney, six four. Then you add guys like Turner Plugi. He's like gonna step in in the starting lineup, and then. Dylan Merz, he's your big man in the paint. He's going to control the boards, crash boards, and gather rebounds for the guys. So you're you're very excited if you're Coach Lang in that. Not only that they're coming in healthy. I mean, once Jaden Sire takes care of that ankle injury that he's been dealing in football, you're going to be excited just from the, the size that Carney Catholic has. 
And Jaden Sire didn't play bad last year either. Jaden Sire's pretty good. Yeah, you like you like their size a lot. I don't know how deep they are. They're going to be this year, but and they've always been able to shoot. So they're going to be Carney Catholic. They're going to do what Carney Catholic does. You mentioned about their depth. I mean, they got guys. It's just we don't know going, about them yet. Yeah, we we don't know what the bench players are going to look like. Outside of you got James Jane Sired and Mandernack and Turner Plugi, those guys were pretty good. But I don't know about the rest. That's just kind of something that we're gonna have to gonna find out how the rotation is gonna look like. I think that's probably gonna be the, a better question. As you have an idea what your starting five could look like, but then which other rotation player who's gonna step in, who's gonna put up those bench points? Is this probably going to be going to be the question going into this season? And can somebody take the pressure off Brett? True, that is true. They they're going to need to find somebody that's that's Ooh. a consistent scorer and maybe not the three point shooter. Maybe somebody that can penetrate. They'll they'll have to see. We have to see what they got, and we haven't seen it yet. That's true. That's true. I think also looking across the Class C one and even in the district for that matter. I can't really say who will be like a a team that's going to be a legitimate threat other than Adam Central. Every time those two go toe-to-toe, it's always a one-possession game or it'll come down to that final drive and that final shot. And that was a couple of times I saw that with Adam Central. But uh, outside of that, um, who else you think that could give Carney Catholic a, a hard time? Grand Island Central Catholic. They will. Grand Island Central Catholic will be very, very good. They'll... I'm, I think they've got three or four starters back, and they were awfully good last year. Grand Island Central Catholics, one of them. Coach Langan also mentioned Scott could be interesting as well. Omaha Scott's always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> he was just mentioning you know, going against them over the summer, and they look pretty good. So that might be another team that might that might be interesting too. Again, that conference, every team in that conference is pretty darn good. St. Cecilia, Bishop Newman, Fremont Bergen. Just go to the Lincoln schools, Lincoln Lutheran, Lincoln Christian. Just go down the list. They're all pretty good. Even on the girls' side, do you think that this is going to be more of an improvement now that they got most of their girls back and they're experienced uh, with Ashley Keck coming back, Liv Nori? Uh, they got they got some size with them, and they're going to be effective defensively. But I think um, what I got from talking with the girls and um, Coach Petrie is that they need to finish. They can be really effective in transition. They can make shots from outside, but then when they're well, when they're attacking the paint, when they're attacking the ball inside, is that they're not able to get the layups, that the easy layups. That I think that was something that I took away from watching them from last year. They played a lot of close games last year and came out on the short side of a lot of them. Sure. Yeah, if they can find if they can find a spark, they'll be pretty good. But they have to find a spark that they they haven't had the last year or two. They've been competitive, and I think the one team that really has really crossed my mind from watching them was St. Cecilia. St. Cecilia was really good against them, and I think the last time they faced them was during that district game that Carney Catholic could have. They were that close. They were they were they were right there. But then when that second half came along, they were just not able to edge them out. If I remember correctly, when they were at St. Cecilia. And St. Cecilia has Bailey Kissinger. <laughs> that sort of you know, tilt, tilts the uh, ramp to their side. They've St. Cecilia's played well for a couple of decades. 
they're tough to beat. Again, you get back to Newman and Christian, same same teams in the conference, same thing. It's just a tough conference. UNK is going to love Bailey Kissinger, no doubt about it. She's been I, committed there since last year. Yes, early last oh, year, maybe early, two, years no, two years ago, for that matter. Yeah, she's yeah, she committed as a sophomore. She's she's going to fit in well with Carney UNK. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt about it. On the Carney High side, I think they're going to be competitive because they got guys like Caden Miller is back, Will Vanderbeek, Jack Mendorf as well, Parker Wise too. They're going to be competitive. They look like a team that's going to be scrappy. But then when you're going against guys like Grand Island have Isaac Trout, okay. Miller North, who's, that's their last in their schedule. They got Jason Green. He's going to Creighton. And then go and got other Omaha teams. I probably got that one guy that is probably going to give Carney some trouble and some guys in Lincoln, too. So what do you think, Buck, just you've seen Carney High basketball more than me. So what do you think that's going to be stepping stone for the Bearcats to take it to another level? Coach Baronic's teams always play with a lot of a lot of intensity. They play up-tempo. They fight hard. They lost two very good, well, three very intense players who fight hard. You know, Preston Pearson and Jack Johnson and Eric Bruce, they they were always diving for balls, working their rear ends off, getting rebounds, pushing the tempo. Those guys are hard to replace. Right. Easton Bruce. Sorry. <laughs> I knew I was wrong when I said it. I remember, um, I remember Easton Bruce, but I don't yes, know who Eric Bruce is. But they, you know, they were fiery players. And even though, like I say, that's something that Drake instills in the team and a signature of the team, it's still hard to find those guys. Mm-hmm. They've got guys that'll, that'll play that way, but are they going to be as successful as, you know, one thing about it, they're not. There's not going to have a Jack Johnson that's got the, the strength and size to do what he did. You know, Pearson really came on at the end of the year. He was playing great at the end of the year. You know, they, they still got some size with Vanderbeek. Parker Wise, Jans will both play tough. My North dog shoot. Caden Miller. I don't know if he'll be back or not from his football injury. Mm. He would be. A, he would really help out. Maybe there might be a player that we haven't mentioned that could that could probably take a step forward. It could be one of the young players that has moved up on the varsity level. There's a couple guys. I mean, maybe there might be some young guys that got moved up to JV that could probably take a step forward. Maybe a freshman like um, Ben Johnson. I've been hearing his name a lot. It might it might come down to who's gonna be that guy. That was gonna be the that dependable player that can be consistent. I guess that's probably the way that we can look at it. We haven't really necessarily seen that yet, but we know that for sure they're going to be competitive no matter what, that they're going to, like you said, play up-tempo. They'll play up-tempo. They'll play hard. Now, are they big enough, strong enough? That we got to wait and find out. They're hard strong enough. (laughs) (laughs) The girls' side, I guess you can pretty much say the same thing. They just only got eight girls and, what, two seniors on that team? Only two seniors. They're not going to be very long on experience. They're not very tall. Other than Kaylee Hatcher. I mean, Other than she... Kaylee. Kaylee's fairly tall. Tatum Rusher plays hard. Kirsten Garner's a great shooter, but five foot three. Uh... <laughs> this is probably like a team that could probably play scrappy, though. They're going to have to depend more on the more defensively 
than they are from the offensive side. Hopefully that they can score just money more on transitions than just head on, you could per se. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna have to spread the floor and do some cutting. You know, they they lost their two post players, two best post players from last year. And well, and they're scoring forward. So, you know, Tatum Rusher can probably replace her sister. Maddie Province is a different player than her sister, so that's not going to work out so well. She'll have a different role, but she'll be counted on to do some things. What about all the area teams that who we should be on the lookout for for basketball, boys or girls? Amherst boys and girls will be pretty good. Uh, Loomis boys, count on them to be pretty good. Overton girls... Graduated a lot, lost a lot, but as we learn in volleyball, they can replace a lot. Shelton girls will be pretty good. What about Pleasanton? Pleasanton lost a lot of players. That state finals was very interesting to watch, but now losing your top scorer, going to have to find a new one to um to they'll, find some of they'll find, find a new, like, new leading scorer, yeah. and it's the, the other. Three players is what they got to find. <laughs> Chelsea Fisher will be a double-digit, probably a double-double person every night. Right, right. Chelsea Fisher definitely brings that size presence. and uh, She's not the most athletic girl, but at least that's one positive look of it. But who's going to be the outside shootout down to replace like girls like Natalie Fisher or like Who's going to be that defender like Isabel Pice was or Katie Lindner? I mean... It's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, a whole new faces for Pleasanton if they can make it back into the state finals. Yeah, they, Pleasanton's got a lot of work to do. To the class, the senior class they had last year is one of those you know, once every twenty five years classes. Mm. So they're just going to have a tough time to get back to where they were. Casey Pierce almost had that final that final almost. shot. <laughs> almost they could have won it all. But we'll see. She, she had the shot. It was just the defense that didn't work. <laughs> what about for wrestling? Any um, thoughts on the for the wrestlers and um, for swim t- and Connie swim team as well? Regional wrestling. I don't know how that's going to shake out. Last year we didn't have anybody. We didn't have a champion for the first time in years. The region didn't produce a champion. Not sure if there's a potential champion out there. To be honest with you. On the other hand, UNK Wrestling, they threw their varsity out on Saturday and had 16 guys place, which, you know, there's only 10 weight classes, so they did pretty mm-hmm. good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you also got the Carney Swim team. I think the boys is likely going boys to. Boys will be pretty good. Be pretty girls good. are still working yet to get up there. Right, right. Okay. I think we pretty much covered all the, all the winter sports, I guess you can say. Any other final thoughts before we sign off, Buck? Not really. Let's keep we're, keep plugging away with football and volleyball and college level, and we'll get the basketball rolling before too long. They're playing, but we don't know where they're at yet. Sure thing, sure thing. There you have it. That's our episode of the Hub Sports Podcast. Hope everyone has a wonderful Thanksgiving. I haven't really said my um, what I'm thankful for. One thing, I'm definitely thankful for you, Buck for being an awesome sports editor. You and um, Sean Bearclaw giving our boss, giving us this platform. I'm very thankful for the whole Carney community for embracing me and all the the quality of work that I brought to them. 
outside of just me just writing the game stories, um, actually wanting to get to know the players and the coaches in the community. And I'm also excited that I'll be going to a few houses on Thanksgiving. A couple of the couple parents invite me to their place. So I'm going to bring a ton of leftovers for me over for Thanksgiving weekend. So, so once again, I'm very thankful for finding Carney and how great a good community it is. So that's all I got just, just to share a little bit. Um, so thank you all for listening to the HubSport podcast. Follow us at the Hub Sports blog. Email us at the um, sports sports at carneyhub.com. Follow me at the pistol underscore D-A underscore P-I-S-T-O-L. And we'll see y'all in the next episode. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>